Section 6 of Reincarnation, A Study in Human Evolution by Theophile Pascal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reincarnation and the Religious and Philosophic Consensus of the Ages, Part 1. In the rapid review we are now about to make of the religion and philosophy of the past, we shall find that under many of the diverse names and veils, the doctrine of rebirths has been taught from the farthest antiquity right up to the present time. There is not a nation that has not preserved clear traces of this doctrine, not a religion that has not taught it, either openly or in secret, or at all events retained the germ of the teaching. And if we count only those peoples of whose national religion it forms a part, i.e., Hindus and Buddhists, the number of believers in reincarnation may be summed up in round figures at five hundred and forty millions of the present population of fourteen hundred millions throughout the world. The greatest of philosophers, both ancient and modern, have regarded palingenesis as the basis of life. But whereas in the past the pledge of initiation prevented its details from being promulgated, in our days, along with the floodlight of which this cycle has brought us, the veil of secrecy has been partially lifted, and theosophy has been privileged to set forth this glorious teaching in its main outlines and its most important details. INDIA Northern India was the cradle of the present race, the fifth, the Eden of our humanity, our physical, moral, mental, and spiritual mother, from her womb issued the immigrant hordes that peopled Europe after spreading over Egypt, Asia Minor, and Siberia. It was her code of ethics that civilized Chaldea, Greece, Rome, and the whole of the East. Our own code is full of traces of the laws of Manu, whilst both the Old and New Testament are, in many respects, an abridged and often almost a literal copy of the sacred books of ancient Aryavarta. The presence of the doctrine of reincarnation in the Vedic hymns has been disputed. This proves nothing more than the present fragmentary condition of the Vedas. Nothing, indeed, could be more absurd than to find that the sacred scriptures of India had maintained silence on a doctrine which, along with that of karma, formed the two main columns of the Hindu temple. For Brahman as well as for the Buddhist, who is only a member of a powerful offshoot of Hinduism. These two laws rule throughout the whole universe, from the primordial kingdoms up to the gods, including man, and the principle, nay, the only goal of human life is moksha, salvation, in Christian terminology, liberation from the chain of rebirths. In this land, in which, along with strict obedience to the rules of conduct set forth by its great teachers, there existed the most complete freedom of opinion, and where the most divergent and numerous philosophic sects consequently developed, there has always been perfect unanimity regarding the doctrine of rebirth. And in that inextricable forest of metaphysical speculations two giant trees have always overtopped the rest, the tree of karma and the tree of reincarnation in spite of the international obscurity in which we are left as to the teachings regarding rebirth from the time of the decadence of india it is no difficult matter with the aid of theosophy to discover its main points 
thus we find in them the return of the life atoms and animal souls to existence in new physical bodies the rebirths of the human egos are indicated in their main phases but here the deliberate omission of certain points which had to long remain incomprehensible and consequently dangerous to the masses makes obscure and at times absurd certain aspects of transmigration i have heard a great teacher clearly explain these points to some of the most enlightened of the hindu members of the theosophical society but i do not feel authorized to repeat these explanations and so we'll leave this portion of the subject under a veil which the reader will with the aid of intuition be able to lift after reflecting on the following pages the sages of ancient india then teach three distinct phases in the return to birth process resurrection transmigration or metempsychosis and reincarnation properly so called resurrection the human body is a species of polyp colony a kind of coral island like those that emerge above the waves of the pacific by reason of the collective efforts of lower organisms the most numerous of the compounds of the human aggregate are known to physiology as microbes bacteria and bacilli but amongst them our microscopes discover only comparative monsters those that are to the ordinary infinitesimal organisms as the elephant is to the invisible infusorium each cell is a complete being its soul is a vital ray of the general life of our planet its body consists of molecules that are attracted and then repelled whilst the cellular soul remains immutable in the ceaseless fluctuations of its corporeal elements the molecules too are animated by a vital soul connected with the cellular soul which in turn is subordinate to a higher unit of the collective life of the human body the most infinitesimal of these beings often called lives penetrate the body freely they circulate in the aura and in each plexus of the organism there they are subjected to the incessant impact of the moral menial and spiritual forces and become impregnated with the spirit of good or of evil as the case may be they enter the cells and leave them with intense rapidity for their cycles of activity as well as of passivity are being incessantly repeated we are all the time emanating millions of lives which are at once drawn into the different kingdoms of nature to which they carry the energies they have gathered in us they impress on their new organisms the tendencies which we have given them and in this way become ferments of regeneration or of decay they aid or retard pollute or purify and it is for this reason that it is not a matter of indifference whether one lives in town or country with men or animals the temperate or the intemperate the wicked or the good the animal gains from association with human beings man loses from association with animals the disciplines of the great schools of initiation at a certain stage of their discipline are carefully isolated from any inferior contact it is these subtle forces that are at play in the physical accomplishment of an action for material sins says manu one passes into mineral and vegetable forms when at death the outer sheath of man disintegrates these life atoms are thrown back into the general surroundings of the earth 
where they are subjected to the magnetic currents around. These currents either attract or repel them, and thus bring about that wise selection, which directs them to organisms in affinity with them. The doctrine of metempsychosis is true only for the atoms or emanations sent out by man after death, or during the whole course of life. The hidden meaning of the passage from Manu, where we read that he who slays a Brahman enters into the body of a dog, a bear, an ass, a camel, etc., does not apply to the human ego, but only to the atoms of his body, i.e., to the lower triad, and its fluidic emanations, as H. P. Blavatsky says, and she adds, The Hinayana, the lowest form of transmigration of the Buddhist, is as little comprehended as the Mahayana, its highest form, and because the Sakya Muni, the Buddha, is shown to have once remarked to his bhikkhus, Buddhist monks, while pointing out to them a broom, that had formerly been a novice who neglected to sweep out the council room, hence was reborn as a broom. Therefore the wisest of all the world's sages stands accused of idiotic superstition. Why not try and understand the true meaning of the figurative statement before criticizing? Is or is not that which is called magnetic effluvia a something, a stuff or a substance, invisible and imponderable though it be? The mesmeric or magnetic fluid which emanates from man to man, or even from man to what is termed an inanimate object, is far greater. Indeed, it is life atoms that a man in a blind passion throws off unconsciously. Let any man give way to any intense feeling, such as anger, grief, etc., under or near a tree, or in direct contact with a stone, and many thousands of years after that any tolerable psychometrist will see the man and sense his feelings from one single fragment of that tree or stone that he has touched. Why then should not a broom, made of a shrub, which grew most likely in the vicinity of the building where the lazy novice lived, a shrub, perhaps repeatedly touched by him while in a state of anger, provoked by his laziness and distaste of his duty, why should not a quantity of his life atoms have passed into the materials of the future broom, and therein been recognized by Buddha owing to his superhuman, not supernatural, powers? Such is the meaning of the resurrection of the body, taught in the Christian church in a form that is repellent to reason, for it kills the spirit of the doctrine and leaves this latter like a corpse from which the life is gone. Metempsychosis after the disintegration of the body, the comic elements continue for some time, us a shade or a phantom, in the finer and invisible atmosphere, then they in turn become disintegrated by the various forces of this environment, and are lost in the strata of matter from which they have been taken. Like the physical elements, life atoms, they whirl about in their environment and there submit to the same law of attraction and repulsion as that which controls the universal selection. They are drawn towards the chemic elements of men and animals, and it is here that we ought to place the list of those misdeeds by reason of which these elements pass into bodies of animals or men of inferior development. A drunken priest becomes a worm, says Manu, a stealer of corn, a rat, the murderer of Brahman, 
a dog, a tiger, or a serpent. And this means that those elements which, in man, serve as a basis for the passions at death, pass over into the bodies of animals that possess the same passions or experience the same needs. The transmigration of human souls into the bodies of animals is still generally accepted amongst the less intelligent Hindus. It has contributed, perhaps more than anything else, to that wonderful respect for life one meets with all over India. The thought that some ancestor or other might happen to be in the body of an animal prevents its destruction. Even the sacrifice of his life offered by a man to one of his brothers in the animal world is regarded as sublime virtue. And legend tells us of the Buddha, the Lord of Compassion, giving himself up as food for a famishing tigress, that she and her cubs might not perish of hunger. REINCARNATION The process of disintegration which, after disincarnation, destroys the physical, astral, and mental bodies of the man leaves the soul, or, to be more exact, the causal body, for the soul is not the causal body any more than it is any of the other human vehicles intact. Indeed, the causal body is at present the only vehicle that resists the cyclic dissolution of the human compound. This it will be subjected to only when the divine spark which constitutes the soul, an eternal spark in its essence, since it is a fragment of God, and immortal as an ego, once it has attained to individualization, the goal of evolution, has formed for itself a new and superior body with the substance of the finer planes above the mental. But ages will pass before the masses of mankind reach this point. After thus throwing off, one after the other, all its sheaths, the ego finds that it has ended a life cycle and is preparing to put on new bodies to return to reincarnation on earth. On reincarnation properly so called, the Hindu scriptures are so precise and complete, so generally accepted, that it is unnecessary to quote them in detail. A few extracts will suffice. These we will take from the Bhagavad Gita, that glorious episode in the mighty civil war which shattered India, and left her defenseless against the successive invaders who were to complete her fall. This great epic poem introduces us to Arjuna, a noble prince about to take part in the strife. The two armies, arrayed for battle, are on the point of engaging. Arrows have already begun to pierce the air. In the opposing ranks Arjuna sees cherished relatives, dear friends, and revered teachers, whom destiny has placed in hostile array, thus giving to the battle all the horrors of patricide and fratricide. Overwhelmed with grief and pity, his heart moved to its utmost depths. Arjuna drops his bow on the ground and thus addresses his teacher, the divine Krishna. Seeing these my kinsmen arrayed, O Krishna, eager to fight, my limbs fail and my mouth is parched, my body quivers and my hair stands on end. Gandiva, Arjuna's bow, slips from my hand and my skin burns all over. I am not able to stand and my mind is whirling. And I see adverse omens, O Keshava, hairy one, nor do I foresee advantage by slaying kinsmen in battle. 
for i desire not victory o krishna nor kinship nor pleasures what is kinship to us o govinda thou who knowest all that is done by our senses and organs what enjoyment or even life those for whose sake we desire kinship enjoyments and pleasures they stand here in battle abandoning life and riches teachers fathers sons as well as grandfathers mothers brothers fathers-in-law grandsons brothers-in-law and other relatives these i do not wish to kill though myself slain o madhu sudana slayer of madhu a demon even for the sake of the kinship of the three worlds the habitations of men gods and semi-divine beings how then for earth i will not do battle the divine krishna then smiled upon his well-beloved disciple and said to him thou grievest for those that should not be grieved for and speakest words of wisdom words that sound wise but miss the deeper sense of wisdom the wise grieve neither for the living nor for the dead nor at any time verily was i not nor thou nor these princes of men nor verily shall we ever cease to be hereafter as the dweller in the body seeketh in the bodily childhood youth and old age so passeth he on to another body the well-balanced grieve not thereat these bodies of the embodied one who is eternal indestructible and boundless are known as infinite therefore fight o beharata he who guardeth this the dweller in the body as a slayer and he who thinketh it is slain both of them are ignorant it slayeth not nor is it slain who knoweth it indestructible perpetual unborn undiminishing how can that man say o partha or cause to be slain as a man casting off worn-out garments taketh new ones so the dweller in the body casting off worn-out bodies entereth into others that are new weapons cleave it not nor fire burneth it nor waters wet it nor wind drieth it away further looking upon thine own dharma thou shouldst not tremble for there is nothing more welcome to a kshatriya than righteous war here are other extracts of this wonderful teaching many births have been left behind by me and thee arjuna i know them all but thou knowest not thine parantapa he who thus knoweth my divine birth and action in its essence is not born again having abandoned the body but he cometh unto me o arjuna having attained to the worlds of the pure doing and having dwelt there for eternal years he who fell from yoga is reborn in a pure and blessed house there he obtaineth the complete yogic wisdom belonging to his former body and then again laboureth for perfection o joy of the kurus but the yogi verily labouring with assiduity purified from sin fully perfected through manifold births he treadeth the supreme path he who cometh unto me o countia verily he knoweth birth no more the daily life of hindu and buddhist is so entirely based on reincarnation and on his foundation the law of causality that this faith gives them patience in the present and hope for the future it teaches that man every moment he lives 
is subject to the circumstances he has created and that though bound by the past he is yet master of the future why cannot we in this troubled europe of ours accept this belief as the solution of the distressing problem of the inequality of conditions for to the weak in rebellion against oppression it would come as a soothing balm whilst the strong would find it a stimulus to devoted pity such as wealth owes to poverty and happiness to misfortune herein lies the solution of the whole social problem egypt if we pass from india to egypt the land of mystery we again find the world-wide doctrine of palingenesis hidden beneath the same veil according to egyptian teaching the theory of the fall of angels was accepted the fallen angels were human souls who had become reincarnated till they reached the state of perfection fallen into the flesh subjected to its vicissitudes and passions these souls had to evolve in successive rebirths until they had developed all their faculties obtained complete control over the lower nature and won back their original purity then this latter would no longer be the unconscious purity of youthful innocence but the conscious purity of mature age i e of the soul that has known both good and evil in the course of its experiences has overcome the serpent of matter the tempter and voluntarily chosen the life of virtue the judgment of the after-life is determined by the degree of purity that has been attained if insufficient the soul returns to earth there to inhabit a human an animal or a vegetable form in accordance with its merits or demerits these lines prove that egyptian teaching has come down to us covered with gross dross and slag as it were which must be subjected to careful sifting when this is done we see that it also sends forth the transmigrations to which the elements of the various vehicles are subjected the physical ternary rises from the dead the animal man transmigrates and man properly so called reincarnates but the details of these processes have been so confused in such fragments of egyptian palingenesis as we possess that it is no easy matter to find the traces of this classification for instance herodotus tells us the egyptians were the first to hold the opinion that the soul of man is immortal and that when the body dies it enters into the form of an animal which is born at the moment thence passing on from one animal into another until it has circled through the forms of all the creatures which tenant the earth the water and the air after which it enters again into a human form and is born anew the whole period of the transmigration is they say three thousand years this passage evidently refers to the resurrection of the life atoms h p blavatsky in the theosophist volume four pages two forty four and two eighty six confirms this in the following words we are taught that for three thousand years at least the mummy notwithstanding all the chemical preparations goes on throwing off to the last invisible atoms which from the hour of death re-entering the various vortices of being go indeed through every variety of organized life-forms but it is not the soul the fifth least of all the sixth principle 
but the life atoms of the jiva the second principle at the end of the three thousand years sometimes more sometimes less after endless transmigrations all these atoms are once more drawn together and are made to form the new outer clothing or the body of the same monad the real soul which they had already been clothed with two or three thousand years before even in the worst case that of the annihilation of the conscious personal principle the monad or individual soul is ever the same as are also the atoms of the lower principles which regenerated and renewed in this ever-flowing river of being are magnetically drawn together owing to their affinity and are once more reincarnated together certain authors have stated that belief in resurrection was the origin of embalming because it was thought that after three thousand years the soul returned to the same body that it immediately rose again when the body had been preserved whereas if such had not been the case it entered wherever it could sometimes even into the body of a lower creature herodotus however says that after the cycle of three thousand years the soul enters a new body not the mummified one and this would lead one to imagine that there were other reasons for the process of embalming indeed it became general only during the decline of egypt at the beginning it was reserved for the hierophants alone with the object of allowing their physical molecular elements to pass into the still coarse bodies of the masses and help forward ordinary souls by the powerful influence of the magnetic potency with which they were charged it is also for this reason that the body of a yogi in india is interred whilst in the case of other men cremation is the rule on the other hand among the multitude of beliefs left in egypt by degenerate traditions there were found some which hinted more or less clearly at occult truths and which might have perpetuated or generalized this practice it was supposed according to servius that transmigrations began only when the magnetic bond between the soul and its remains had been broken by the complete disintegration of the corpse consequently they did all in their power to preserve this latter this belief may readily be connected with a theosophic teaching which says that the affinity existing between the visible corpse and the soul clad in its karmic astral body the animal soul in kamaloka purgatory is capable in certain cases of detaining this soul on earth after its disincarnation and thus delaying for a longer or shorter period the disintegration of the elements of the passional body it is these elements not the soul that pass over into animal bodies and contrary to the opinion set forth in egyptian exotericism it is to the interest of the soul to free itself from terrestrial attraction and from its comic astral vehicle and not to remain bound down to earth consequently embalming was a mistaken action the result of an error of doctrine or at all events of teachings that were incomplete imperfectly transmitted and misunderstood egypt multiplied her symbols of palingenesis resurrection in the sense of rebirth in general was symbolized by the toad which then became the goddess hiket 
this animal was chosen because it lives in air and in water because it can remain imprisoned a very great number of years without either air or food and afterwards come back to life g maspero in his guide de visiteur de Bloc, tells us that the early christians in egypt had adopted this symbolism and that the lamps in their churches were formed in the shape of a toad and bore the inscription i am the resurrection in the greek language this goddess toad may still be seen in the museum of Bulak. the scarabus or beetle symbolized the personality the expanse of the mental substance projected so to speak by the higher mental body at each incarnation into the new comic astral body a certain number of them were always deposited with the mummies and the beetle was represented standing on an ear of horn a symbol of the attainments acquired during the past earth life indeed the development of the ego is affected by that of the personality it sends on to the earth each incarnation it is the new mental body which controls the new astral and physical bodies of each incarnation and which is in a very truth the flower and the fruit of the labor of life sacred egyptology tells us that the scarabus requires to be orisified united to its living soul or ego which sent it forth i will now give the reason for this emanation when after disincarnation the purgatorial life begins the ego endeavors to throw off the comic astral body to pass into the higher world the mental plane which is its home there to enjoy the delights of heaven thereupon a veritable battle begins on the one hand the ego endeavors to withdraw the mental body which at the beginning of the incarnation it sent to the comic body and to take it to itself on the other hand the passional body which instinctively feels its life bound to that of the mental element which gives it its strength vital activity and personal characteristics tries to keep back this center of individual life and generally succeeds in doing so up to a certain point when desire during incarnation has regularly gained the victory over the will the passional body or kama maintains the supremacy beyond the grave and the ego in endeavoring to rescue its mental projection from the comic bonds yields up a more or less considerable fragment thereof and this fragment is restored to liberty only when the passional body of the deceased has become disintegrated by the forces of the astral world this has been called the fire of purgatory on the other hand when the ego during life has always refused the appeals of the lower nature it easily withdraws after death from the net of passion the substance it has infused therein and passes with this substance into that part of the mental plane which is called heaven such is the struggle that egypt committed to her annals when she inscribed upon parapus or engraved upon stone the generines of the soul into the world of shades the soul the mental personality which demands ossification and evokes the ego its god and projector beseeching him to draw to himself that it may live with him is the lower eye this eye has not exhausted the desire to live on earth 
its desire is impressed on the germs it has left in the causal body and brings the ego back to incarnation this is the reason it prays and desires the resurrection of its living soul the ego dinan in his journeyings in egypt has made known to us the shah-en the book of metamorphosos written in hieratic signs and republished in berlin by bruchich in the year eighteen fifty one explicit mention is here made of reincarnations and it is stated that they are very numerous the third part of the book of the dead sets forth a detailed account of the resurrection of osiris the identification of the departed one with osiris god of light and his sharing in the life deeds and power of the god in a word it is the final reintegration of the human soul with god the loftiest and most suggestive of egyptian palingenetic symbols is unquestionably that of the egg the deceased is resplendent in the egg in the land of mysteries in kirchner's oedipus egyptiacus we have an egg the egg freed from its vehicles floating over the mummy this symbol of hope and the promise of a new birth to the soul after gestation in the egg of immortality the winged globe so widely known in egypt is egg-shaped and has the same meaning its wings indicate its divine nature and prevent it from being confused with the physical germ easter eggs which are offered in spring at the rebirth of nature commemorate this ancient symbol of eternal life in its successive phases of disincarnation and rebirth chaldea it is said that the magi taught the immortality of the soul and its reincarnations but that they considerably limited the number of these latter in the belief that purification was effected after a restricted number of existences on the soul returning to its heavenly abode unfortunately we know nothing definite on this special point of chaldean teaching for some of the most important sources of information were destroyed when the library of persepolis was burnt by the macedonian vandal alexander the great whilst eusebius whom bunsen criticizes so harshly made such great alterations in the manuscripts of berosus that we have nothing to proceed upon beyond a few disfigured fragments and yet chaldeism comprises a great mass of teachings he whom we know as the divine zoromaster has been preceded by twelve others and esoteric doctrine was as well known in chaldea as in egypt the descendants of chaldeans fire worshippers mazdeans magi parsis according to the names they received at different periods have preserved the main points of palingenetic construction up to the present and from time to time have set them forth in the most charming style of oriental poetry book four of the great persian poem masnavi e manavi deals with evolution and its corollary reincarnation stating that there is one way of remembering past existences and that is by attaining to spiritual illumination which is the crown of human evolution and brings the soul to the threshold of divinity if your purified soul succeeds in escaping from the sea of ignorance it will see with eyes now opened 
the beginning and the end man first appeared in the order of inorganic things next he passed therefrom into that of plants for years he lived as one of the plants remembering not of his inorganic state so different from this and when he passes from the vegetable to the animal state he had no remembrance of his state as a plant again the great creator as you know drew man out of the animal into the human state thus man passed from one order of nature to another till he became wise and intelligent and strong as he is now of his first soul he has now no remembrance and he will be again changed from his present soul in order to escape from his present soul full of lusts he must rise to a thousand higher degrees of intelligence though man fell asleep and forgot his previous states yet god will not leave him in this self-forgetfulness and then he will laugh at his own former state saying what mattered my experiences when asleep when i had forgotten the real state of things and knew not that the grief and ills i experienced were the effect of sleep and illusion and fancy these lines are concise but they sum up the whole of evolution and render it unnecessary to quote at greater length from chaldean tradition on this point still those who desire other passages relating to the same doctrine may find them in the desatir end of section six